What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I am Chris. And I am Ben. And we are here to bring you our opinions on our news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 152 coming to you after a bit of hi- hi- a hiatus, if I can speak straight. That's a great way to start the program. 15 seconds in, cannot even talk. Uh, weren't able to put out a show last week, unfortunately, like we said the previous week, uh, episode 151. Uh, I'm in the middle of selling a home and moving to another state, so uh, it has been complicated and hard to find time to record, to say the least, and it just wasn't it wasn't going to happen in any convenient way for either of us, or both of us at the same time, last week, so we do apologize for, for, for missing an episode, but, uh, you know, it kind of had to happen. Life happens sometimes, so, but we have a great show for you today. Was that Ben? You want to make it? You want to make an announcement, or, or were we not there yet, Chris? For uh, for what? For your 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 situation. Oh uh, yeah, you? I. Go which ahead. which part of it? The 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 the, what what you unveiled to me uh, before we started. Oh yeah, no, I I have the the house, has been uh, there has the buyer has been found and all my stuff has been moved and. As long as I can find a notary uh, somewhere in this small town in eastern New York, uh, <laughs> I will be shipping out the uh, closing paperwork tomorrow. So it will all be finalized as of Friday morning. If everything goes according to plan, if not, it'll be a lot of driving Thursday or Friday for me, but it will still get done. So love the house. Just the area wasn't where I saw myself and... Uh, more opportunities out here and got a great lady who is uh, very successful out here too. So I am for the first time in my 38 plus years, not a new Englander. I am in fact a New Yorker now. So how does um, that make you feel? Um, if I liked any of their teams, I'd feel dirty, but I still have loyalty to all my other teams. My, my oh, new England good. team. So I, I'm, I'm good. Um, and this, have... this, this area is, it really is great. It's quiet. Nice. So, yeah. But I have faith that Chris, before you know it, you'll be back. You'll be back in New England. Oh, uh, yo! Obviously, at some point in the future, that's very possible. Yeah, it, it's definitely, definitely possible. We'll see what the future brings. You never know. But what the future is going to bring in episode one fifty two is a pretty good show. We got a World Series. I know everybody knows what happens. We're going to give our two cents. Uh, the Braves defeating the Astros. Uh, a great player of the last generation or this generation has announced his retirement we have some nfl injuries a trade to discuss um players acting like complete dumbasses and the ever-changing nfl hierarchy plus banker tank eight and nine results and our week 10 picks so let's get right into it the world series good guys won bad guys got uh shot off into the sun braves defeat astros in six games uh, that's exactly what I wanted to see. They beat the Dodgers, got rid of them, got rid of the Astros who beat our Red Sox. So very happy with the outcome. Braves are a really good young team that didn't have the greatest regular season, but they turned it on when they had to and really showed a, a, a not only a bright current, but a bright future as well. And, and I think this speaks to what should speak to a lot of teams where they just over the few, past few years, they just kind of built piece by piece by piece and when they felt they had the moment 
they pounced in in trades and free agency, and they brought in key acquisitions. Jock Peterson played a huge role down the, down the stretch in the beginning parts of playoffs, and then kind of petered off. And um, I'm forgetting the name. It, it's it's been over what a week and a half. Since <laughs> yeah, the it's been a bit. Yeah, uh, the, the, there's a couple players that are escaping me right now that kind of were clutch in this in the World Series. That kind of Austin were, Riley, Freddie Freeman. Uh, I, I was thinking there was an acquisition uh, during the trade deadline that really kind of uh, helped him out. And um, uh, he, he took over for um, uh, for uh, Acuna in center field. God, I can't remember. His oh, name. yeah, I can't either. But that speaks to that should speak to some teams that are building through the farm system that are growing their talent. And then just making those moves when they feel the, the the time is right. And not like blockbuster moves. It's like, yeah, we're going to acquire this fourth outfielder. We're going to acquire this 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 middle infielder that can play three, four different positions. And, oh, by the way, he can DH a little bit. Solaire, that's who I was thinking. Oh, of. yeah, yeah. Yep, okay, yep. Huge in the World Series, yeah, especially series. at DH. He, he came in clutch dropping bombs on the Astros pitching staff like he like he'd been doing it for years and I tell you what uh, it, it, it's kind of reminiscent of, of the 13 Red Sox when they just they had pieces they had some young pieces and then they went out in free agency and then the trade traded deadline and they made those acquisitions those key, uh, acquisitions to kind of bolster their team, just like uh, also the 04 Red Sox mm-hmm. going to get Orlando Cabrera, going to get Doug Mankiewicz. Those key acquisitions that just set you over the top, but they're not big ones. They're just little pieces here and there. And yep. that's what should speak to a team like the Padres. That should speak to a team like the Twins, the Brewers. Just make those acquisitions that aren't splash aren't aren't you know headlines but they are just little pieces that add to the team that kind of bring it all together oh yeah absolutely i mean role players that i mean and that's not a lot of people look at it as a derogatory term like oh you know it's saying somebody's not at a star level well not every player is at a star level and sometimes it takes those guys who you know they knew what they were gonna get from a freddie freeman but the guy who's hitting ninth in the lineup coming in, or or a guy that didn't know what to expect out of coming in and, and really playing at a consistent level, is all the difference. It, it, it's the extreme dips that really make the difference between the good and the bad teams. Uh, so, a guy that comes to mind, he wasn't a trade acquisition, but a guy for the I think it was the twenty thirteen Red Sox, Johnny Gomes. Yeah, Johnny Gomes. What what is he like a one eighty career hitter? He's not a great player. He had a crazy. Uh, final stretch in that season and a great playoffs and road series. And I don't think he ever hit above 150 ever again. <laughs> like It's just, it, it, baseball is a crazy game and that's what makes the playoffs and the road series so much fun. And it was, it was honestly was, despite the fact that Red Sox didn't win it, a really fun postseason. So I, I got a chance to watch more games than I have in, in a while. And I, I really enjoyed all of them except the ones the Sox lost. But So, so Chris, whose future is, is, brighter at this point because we discussed the uh losers of the championship series 
now we have the two winners and then the Braves coming on top. Who who looks better? Because I, I, I think I know what the answer is. I have to say the Braves. Right. And that's not saying the Astros are going to be a bad team, but look, Verlander wasn't able to help much this year. Uh, he's who knows what's going to happen. You know, once when, once he comes back, if he comes back, he says he wants to, but he's going to be almost forty. Zach Greinke's no spring chicken. Some of their young starters are a little inconsistent. Uh, Carlos Correa is probably not coming back. Uh, they already lost um, uh, the guy, they lost, George Springer, last year. Yeah, they have some other good prospects coming up, but those guys that really kind of tied it together are either going to start needing to get paid some serious money or they're going to move on, or if the Astros are smart, they consider trading them. Some, you know, pick up some extra draft picks and some prospects. Um, doesn't mean the Astros' future doesn't look good, like they're going to be garbage. It's not what I'm saying. But if you're looking at, man, this team has a lot of really great young players along with a really good mix of veterans and quality players that aren't at that downswing in their career yet. Uh, I got to go with the Braves. Let's forget this team went a good portion of the year without Ronald Acuna Jr., who is easily, easily one of the most talented young players in the game. It was an MVP candidate when he was injured and this team still went ahead and won the world series. So the future is extremely bright in Atlanta. Yeah, I have to agree. I think the biggest factor because cause equally on the other side, you have Freddie Freeman, who's a free agent. But if I, if I had to hedge my bets, I would say Freddie is more likely to stay in Atlanta oh, yeah. than Correa is going to stay in Houston. Correa is going to set the market. And, and we already saw last offseason, the Braves just – or not the Braves, uh, the Astros just let Garrett Cole walk to New York. Who's to say he's not going to walk somewhere else? I don't. I don't. I'm not going to say he's going to New York. There are strong uh, rumors that he might be going to to New York City, uh, but I just think, from a foundation standpoint, the Astros are just going to lose so much with Carlos Correa. He's still significantly young, and everyone you mentioned, on top of. How much does Jose Altuve have left? And is Bregman going to go the route of uh, Dustin Pedroia where the body, no, no offense, but the slight built can only take so much damage. And I, I don't know if that's long-term success where yeah. someone like Carlos Correa, he's a big kid. He's a big built. And that's someone that, if he can't play that shortstop position where he should be able to slide over and be just as effective at third base. I don't know if they invested in the wrong player, uh, but I, I just, I can see in the next year or two, the Astros just dipping in that, in the American league. Now the comp, uh, the division they're playing in is very friendly because the other three teams are just, they're just as lost as the Astros could potentially be. So they might have the advantage of building the team back up while still having success because of the division they're in. Right. I just don't think they're going to have success as far as playoffs because I just don't know where that team's the, the, the foundation is not crumbling, but some, some pegs are starting to be pulled out and 
I, I don't know if they're going to be able to slide pieces back in as quickly to maintain this this run of success. Uh, yeah. I mean, Altuve is actually only 31, and I think, I mean, he, he could still have a couple of good years. Because I think he has a bigger bit more of a a, a bulkier build than Pedroia had, but we'll see. Uh, moving on to, uh, I mean, easily the, the best catcher of his generation. I I don't I mean if you if there's an argument to be had, I'd love to hear it. Uh, Buster Posey of the. Uh, I keep wanting to say, I don't know why I want to say New York Giants. My God, of the San Francisco Giants announced his retirement. Um, I, I don't know if he actually did it officially, but he definitely alluded to it. Uh, I think he did, though. Um, if you haven't been able to tell, I've... As I said, the past couple weeks have been crazy, so I have not been able to stay up on the current events as much as I'd like to, and I'm doing my best. Uh, you know, pure offensive numbers, aside from a career 302 average, which is outstanding... Uh, aren't spectacular, but he did have an MVP season. He is a three-time World Series winner. He won a Rookie of the Year. He's a four-time Silver Slugger and a seven-time All-Star. I think I know the answer to this. Is Buster Posey a Hall of Famer? Yes, because the numbers are a catcher numbers. So I think as you see with most players who shift from catcher to, to first base – those numbers don't translate because you expect more production out of a first baseman. Whereas Buster Posey played primarily his entire career at catcher, and those numbers translate to probably one of the best top five, I would say, catchers in the entire history of baseball. Oh, wow. And, 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 and unfortunately, because uh, I, I, I'm not a historian as much as you are, but, you know, I look top five. I, I'm watching two of the top five catchers for the past 10 to 15 years. He, he and Yachty, right? Yeah, he and Yachty. Yeah. And Yachty does not have the numbers that that Buster has. He does not have the accolades as much as Buster has. But I think they're both locks for Hall of Fame. Yachty a little more defensive. Buster a little more offensive. And because of the position they play, the demand – on these players to squat for innings on end for 150 plus games, I think I think he's a lock to to make the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I'd 100% agree, uh, absolutely without a doubt. Um, and, and not only that, yeah, they translate for a catcher the numbers do, but also there's intangibles in baseball at certain positions that you just don't see in other sports. Uh, there's there's not even the unwritten rules, but there's just... There's... A presence? A, yeah, thank you. A presence, a vibe. Like, when there's a real team leader, uh, the, the team is just... You can tell they're just better off. They feel more comfortable. And Buster Posey was one of those guys. The pitchers who were pitching to him felt more comfortable with him behind the plate. Yeah. The manager felt more comfortable with him out there. The fans felt more comfortable with him behind the plate. Uh, he really brought that team together, and he did that his entire career at a very high level. And it's not always about the stats. If you know, if he just had the stats he had and never won a World Series, you might say, ah, he'll get in eventually. The three World Championships, which he was as big a part of as anybody, yeah, uh, secure him. 
I think first ballot Hall of Fame career personally. Yeah, uh, but that's, I think I th- you know that's just me. I think him and Yachty because because and I'm going to say this, Chris, and I know what your reaction is going to be. Him and Yachty, and we'll get to Yachty when when his time comes because he's already said he's playing again. Um, they should be like like 100. percent There there should not be because we we've talked about this before. There should not be this oh 98 percent of of the the votes for for in. It it, it should be 100. percent I agree. I would agree with that. Yeah. For Buster, uh, 100. percent And and but you know you know what's going to happen. So unfortunately. You know, there's unwritten rules for the BBWA, and, and you know, unfortunately, he won't be. But regardless, he'll be a first ballot. And I think the aura he brings on the team, and then offensively, he's just as you pointed out, three-time World Series, and he was instrumental. And I think his offensive prowess really makes pitchers, when he was in his prime, makes pitchers try to pitch around him and he's just he was just so good to all fields i don't want to say it was at the level but it's almost like trying to pitch the bonds in his prime and and you just gotta have to pick your spots yep except with buster he just he just had the ability to go in all fields and it made it very difficult uh for pitchers to get around him and in some of the clutch moments, he 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 stepped up. Yeah, and I'm, I'm gonna just tell you the truth. I, I I was very surprised when I looked at his career numbers because I knew he wasn't like a three thousand, you know, uh, in a three thousand hit club or anything. But I was very shocked. Some of his statistics were not higher because it always seemed like clutch situation for the Giants. Buster Posey's at the plate. He 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 came through. So. Very surprised to see. He only had like 1,500 career hits. I mean, I, I thought this guy was going to be in the mid-2000s. Uh, but that's, again, the presence. You know, you <laughs> you just exude this 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 vibe, this charisma, this this energy for your team. And um, he certainly had that. He'll, he'll be in the Hall of Fame five years and one day after he officially retires. So, Yep. All right, on to the NFL. And you want to get an Aaron Rodgers first? Or you want to get in a Derrick Henry first? Um, let's get Rodgers out of the way. Let's, let's, get, yeah, Rodgers. let's get Rodgers out of the way. It, yeah, yeah. It's been beaten to death over the past week and a half or so, but um, I just, you know, <laughs> this isn't – look, when it comes to the vaccination, this has become a political issue. If you're on the left – it's the greatest thing ever if you're on the right. Uh, it's a hoax, and it's not necessary, and the science isn't there. I really don't care what your belief is. I believe in people's personal choice. I truly do. Love it. Love that I said that. Hate that I said that. That's my opinion. I'm rolling with it. I'll die on that hill. Um, but to me, this is it's, it's not political. And Rogers... Uh, the reason I have a problem with Rodgers not being truthful about his vaccination status has nothing to do with who he voted for, who, who who's the officials, uh, representatives of his state. I don't give a damn about that. I think it's BS because there's people he hung around 
in that locker room who probably, some of them opted out last year because they had concerns about COVID. And they had loved ones at home who they did that for. And he's hanging around them, telling them, no, I'm good. I was vaccinated. And he wasn't. So he's putting people at risk by taking the trust people have in him to be honest with them. And kind of just pissing on it, honestly. Like, maybe he tells them he's not vaccinated and they still don't care and it's fine and nothing changes. But he didn't give anybody that decision. He just went ahead and did whatever Aaron Rodgers wanted to do, which is what Aaron Rodgers always does. And if you had to wait for this to see he's been a selfish a-hole the entire time he's been with the Packers, uh, then you haven't been using your eyes. I don't know. I don't know. So, and, and I apologize to anyone if they think we're going to disagree. Um, you should know by now, me and Chris, 90% of the time, we kind of align on the same page with stuff. Um, so we obviously we align with, with, you know, it's your choice. It's your decision. You have, you should have the right to make that choice. We both said that. Okay, let's take that and set that aside because that that has nothing to do with this situation. And and I hear what you're saying, Chris, that he lied. And and when I when it when it came out that he um, he had COVID, I, I was actually listening to uh, Boston radio because you know I listen to Boston radio a lot. And and there was a pause by one of the hosts when they, they realized that he was going to be out for, I think it was, they said it was 10 to 14 days. And they were thinking back to um, the rules. Well, the rules are, and, and they actually had an expert, uh, Albert Breer on with them. And, and he, you know, he knows all the rules, all the policies of what's going on. And he realized in that moment, he's unvaccinated because if he was, uh, if, cause he wasn't going to be eligible for uh, this Sunday's game. Was it Sunday? I think it was Sunday. Yeah, Sunday night football with uh, the Chiefs and the uh, Packers. And they had a moment of realization that he was unvaccinated. And I'm like, well, that that can't be accurate because, like they said, he was around people with no mask, no care in the world. Obviously, they're mistaken or – or, or something was lost in translation and the audio came out and this is where there's a misconception that he lied, but it's also how much of a, I guess I, the only word I can say is a douchebag that Aaron Rodgers is, is that the way he said it, he said he was immunized. Right. And that's his little way around. Cause he thinks he's more clever than everybody else. And that's the problem I have with him is that he thinks he's cleverer than everyone else. And you said it right. He put other people's lives at danger. And the NFL knew this because he, he went to them for permission to be considered vaccinated, even though he took another route. And he, he says he's allergic to two of the, you know, two of the um, vaccines and he doesn't trust the third one. Okay, that all being said, 
you could have done what Kyrie did. Because Kyrie's pretty open about not being vaccinated. Right. And, he, and he's taking his lumps. But he's been honest. And you know how much that hurts me to be in agreement with what Kyrie's doing. We've got to be consistent. Right. At least he's been honest. Right. And that's the thing. He's been honest about it. He didn't, he didn't you know, try to bend the truth. He, he openly said, this is, this is why I'm doing this. Right. I, I don't believe in this. That be, you know, that's fine. That's what you want to do. You're losing money. But obviously, Kyrie can afford that. This guy bitched and bellyached all post off all off season about how he wasn't treated right by the backers. He wasn't treated right by the front office. He doesn't have enough weapons. He doesn't have a great offensive line. As you pointed out many occasions, it's always someone else's fault. It's always someone else's fault with him. Always. And yet, and yet again, he does it again. He does it again, and he's blaming other people. I agree with some of the stuff he says about choice. Oh yeah, and 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 and, you know, I appreciate that he's not gonna go here and speak about it or go there and speak about it because he's not gonna be, you know, he's gonna be consistent on how he treats each side of the aisle. That's fine. He went on Pat McAfee's show. He had an interview. He trusted Pat McAfee uh, to give him a fair uh, platform. That's fine. My problem is, is what he is, is the way he went about it. Mm -hmm. It was deceitful. He can say he wasn't lying, but if you look at what he said, because it was the first thing that hit my mind when he said, when he was asked, he was, it was asked point blank. Are you vaccinated? And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm immunized. And that's his way around it. And I find that very deceitful and I don't trust him. And then Somehow this is Mike McCarthy's fault. I don't know how. They're going to try to find Mike McCarthy again, just because. And, and do you want to tell uh, the repercussions, Chris? Because I, 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 I'm beside oh, myself. Oh, yeah. This, this, this. You, you know, well, you know, you said it. You just said it. You know why the repercussions are so light? Because the league knew about it. Yeah. Because that's why. Because they have to try to save face as much as they possibly can. Because the Packers is an organization who also knew it didn't enforce any of the rules. And we've... Praise the Packers for their handling of their finances during the pandemic and how they were the only team that was smart enough to have a rainy day fund so none of their people had to miss a paycheck. Well, now we're going to dog them because they knew this. They didn't force them to wear masks on the side. They didn't force them to follow guidelines. And look, say, say what you want about masks. I have my opinions on them. Say what you want about all the guidelines. I have my opinions on them. I think this thing jumped a shark a long time ago and we're all way too paranoid. That's honestly my opinion. Like it or don't. I'm sorry, that's how I feel. I'm not sorry, that's how I feel. But you know what I mean. Um, but, again, the rules are the rules. You make $30 million plus a year. You sit there, you whine, you piss and moan. You're a professional crybaby, Aaron. And nothing is ever your fault. And the rules just don't apply to you. If this, if this had been Bill Belichick, they would have already arranged a firing squad. If this had been Tom Brady in New England, everybody loves him now. If this had been Tom Brady in New England, they would have had him hung in the town square. Aaron Rodgers gets a $14,000 fine. The the Packers, uh, and I believe uh, somebody else got a, a, the same same amount for a fine. The Packers yeah. as an organization got a $300,000 fine. Uh, I believe it was the Raiders last year who violated protocol and got 
was it half a million and lots of draft picks? I think so. And if you know anything about the Raiders the last few weeks, they can use them draft picks. But uh, it, it's it's absolutely the league trying to save face because they knew, because in order for him to apply for that waiver, would have had to have known he didn't get vaccinated. Right. And, and they I just, denied him, too. They denied him. And, you know, I just wanted to read something real quick. Is that quote I read to you beforehand? Because, again, I have nothing. I, on the field, he's tremendous. Off the field, I think he's a giant asshole, honestly. Um, but I agree with him on this. When he was on a Pat McAfee show, and he said, the right is going to champion me, and the left is going to cancel me. I don't give a shit about either of them. Politics is a total sham. I'm not going on Fox News, and I'm not going on CNN. And that was a quote by Aaron Rodgers. I absolutely love that um, because he's trying to say, don't make it political. This is personal choice, which I don't have a problem with. I have a problem, much like you do, Ben, with how he handled it. If 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 you and I play for the same team, mm-hmm. say, say we're say we're top tier athletes. I know. I know. I know. It's a little stretch, but OK. And last year. You have a family, and last year, you have a child at home who is uh, immunocompromised. You decide, we don't know enough about this thing yet, I'm going to opt out, I can't take this chance. You decide to play in 2021 because of the policies put in place, of the vaccination. I come to you and I say, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. And I go over your house, and I'm around your kid, I'm around your family. And I'm telling you I'm okay. And I'm there on the premise that I'm being honest with you. And then you find out I'm not. Whether anything happened or not, I'm a giant asshole for that. And you have every right to be mad at me. Now, maybe before I ever go over there, I say to you, hey, look, I'm not vaccinated. What do you want me to do when you say, I trust you, you're good. If you've been safe, you're fine. And I have done that with many people. You and I never wore a mask around each other. Right. We just weren't going to, no, we weren't. We don't each other how long. Like, I, I don't care what anybody, whatever your opinion of that is, is fine. We never wear a mask around each other. I have good friends of mine I never wore a mask around. Others um, were more persistent, and that's their personal choice. I have to respect it both ways. Um, But everybody was honest with one another. You know, if, if you, you could put somebody in danger by with the unknown, you're being selfish if you're not honest with them. And that's exactly what Aaron Rodgers did. And he has just done nothing for this past six to eight months to disprove any opinion I've ever had of him off the field. And, and I think if you're the Green Bay Packers, you've saddled yourself to this guy for this season. And then the opportunity rises up that, okay, in spite of all this, this shit show going on with Aaron Rodgers – and now he's out for a week. Biggest game of the season so far. Okay, we have an opportunity to put our our future on the field. And he isn't ready, clearly. He's not ready. Uh, this is a problem for the Packers. Your credibility's in question right now. Uh, if you're other teams in the league, you're questioning what is the front, front office of the league thinking just doing – this kind of fine when other teams have been punished more severely for less 
he didn't put just the players on his team at risk. He put reporters at risk. He put other teams at risk. He put other teams' families at risk. It Be honest and forthright about what's going on. If he said in that initial press conference exactly word for word what he did when he when, when it was found out that he wasn't vaccinated and then he had took this therapy and it, it, he tried to make it seem like it was another way around it, then do that at the beginning. So then everyone has all the cards on the table. And I get it. This is your 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 life, your health. You you should have some ability to keep that behind closed doors. But you're a public figure. You play a high profile sport for a lot of money. And you're interacting with a lot of people. I'm sorry. At that point, you have to make it known what your status is. I'm sorry. And I'm all for freedom of choice. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. you should I think you should be able to have uh, personal information guarded as yep. much as possible. Yep. But well, you said many... it in his role. It's not it's not an option at some point at some areas. It's a job. It's yeah. Unfortunately, it's a job, you know, because I've I've had to wear a mask for the better part of two years, eight hours a day. I don't like it, but that's, yeah, that's, you got to do it. Right. That's life. Right. And, and I think he he's just disingenuous with how he went about everything. And I really think that the Packers need to consider their next course of action over the offseason. If they don't feel Jordan loves ready, they need to make uh, other plans. If they feel like they can just Cam Newton. (laughs) Hey, you never know. Um, And honestly, I I get their frustrations because Devontae Adams made a, a, you know, a a lot of waves with, you know, his opinion on the Aaron Rodgers situation. Look, if you have to make a monumental shift because a couple of diva football players don't want to play for your team because they they're a little butt hurt. You move on. Yeah. You say, have a nice day. There are plenty of other teams that would probably take both of them like that. You can get traffic and compensation and you build around a new team. That team has won plenty of games throughout its history without both of those guys. So, I mean, and I'll, I'll, I'll just say this before you move on. Always yeah. leads for me. Again, when this became a political issue, when the media made it a political issue, when it all first started, it, we were doomed to have any kind of intelligent discussion. Because you vote for this guy, you agree with this. You vote for that guy, you agree with that. I have people I know who are vaccinated. I love them and respect them. I have people I know who are unvaccinated. Guess what? I love them and respect them. Same goes with the mask. I have people who think masks are the savior. Still love them and respect them. And I have people who've never worn one a single day this went on. Still love them and respect them. People, get your head out of your asses. Stop making a political thing. Form your own opinion based on your own knowledge. Turn off the news. And I think we'll all be a lot better off. Just saying. Yeah, I think I echoed those comments, Chris. And um, I would just say to any, any, anybody out there, um, you don't have to reveal any information that you don't want to, but 
when you're in a position like he's in, affecting the amount of lives he's affecting, uh, the atmosphere he's in, he has to at least let the organization and the front office of the league know exactly what's going on. Yeah. And he needs to be punished equally if he's not following the guidelines that are set in place. That's yeah, all no, I have to say about that. Yeah, that, and that's actually the, the point I actually was – I <laughs> all I just said, and I forgot the point of it all, which was everyone I just mentioned, whether from the vax, unvax, mask, unmask, all of them are upfront and honest about how they feel so you know what you're dealing with at the time. It's not a mystery. No one's full of it. No one's lying. Um, you should try it sometime, Aaron. It's it's really not that bad. All right. From that to on the field, at least for uh, the next two topics, uh, Derrick Henry. Man, I jinxed this poor guy. A couple weeks ago, we come on here, and I pick him as the offensive player of the year. I fix him as, uh, pick him as the MVP. I say he, he runs for NFL record in a single season in 16 games, not even the extra 17th game, and he immediately goes out and gets a rather severe foot injury the following game, has had surgery on it, a broken bone. I believe it's on uh, like the, the pinky toe side of his foot. He will miss at least six to ten weeks. Um, man, the Titans had a, had a big win. Oh, what was it, Sunday night? Yeah. Um, looked really good against the Rams. But... I mean, can they sustain the success? I mean, he's the cog that makes their offense run. I know they have Julio. I know they have A.J. Brown. They're going to be a good team still. They're not all of a sudden garbage. But there's going to be some big games they need to grind out, and they are really going to miss Derrick Henry. Is this still a playoff team, a division-winning team? I think the advantage is, is the division they're in. You're just looking at the Colts with Carson Wentz. and No, they're good, though. He- Right, he's up and down all season. But yeah. the problem is, and I've, I, I'm semi-regurgitating uh, takes that I've heard all week. And, and so I don't want to claim this as my own take, but this is kind of like the, this is kind of like what I would, I would have said this, the moment it would have came out. Derrick Henry is the offense. They, they structured this team around Derrick Henry running the ball. 20 times a game. You can't just take that out and say, okay, we have Adrian Peterson. We got this other kid. Um, We're good. We'll be fine. We can make it work. And, oh, yeah, we'll just increase, you know, Ryan Tannehill's uh, passing. I get you got A.J. Brown. I get you acquired Julio Jones. It's still not going to work. And I think what they'll do is they'll win the division. Uh, but I just don't think they're going to have enough gas in the tank when they face one of the big boys. Because they're not going to have the the offensive firepower to beat the Ravens. They're not going to have, if they face the Chargers, if they face the Chiefs, they're not going to have that offensive firepower. If they face the Buffalo Bills, the Buffalo Bills, even though – I understand the Buffalo Bills lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars, which we'll get to. They still have more of an offensive punch than right now the Tennessee Titans do. And it's just, they're going to win on defense. It's just a matter of 
can they get are they opportunistic enough on defense to not only make get interceptions and and get fumbles but they have to take them for six and let's let's be real here uh, momentum and adrenaline is a very real thing in sports and Titans came into this game after having several big wins going against uh, the, a Rams team that was tied for the best record in the league on Sunday night, and nobody thought they were going to be able to do what they did because they were so up for that game. we got to prove we can do it without Derrick Henry. Okay, well, you could be due for a letdown. We, we've seen that. We've seen Buffalo suffer that. We've seen the Chargers suffer that. We've seen Baltimore suffer that this year. We've seen a lot of really good teams uh, lose to very subpar teams. So, um, I think the Titans are going to be good to very good, depending on the opponent. Uh, but I do think this whole uh, burst of adrenaline, let's let's just keep doing every what we're doing, no matter what. We're going to do it with Peterson. We're going to do it with Jeremy McNichols. We're going to do it with our third string running back. No, you're not. You could still win games. Um, unfortunately, you were... Honestly, with Derrick Henry playing the way he was playing, you were Super Bowl contenders. Right. And I don't know if you can do that right. Maybe you can. Maybe you can. Maybe Tannehill can go out there and start slinging that ball around even more, and A.J. Brown has an MVP caliber season. Or uh, or Julio Jones finds the fountain of youth. And, I mean, both have been absolutely great this year when they're healthy, but they're going to have to step it up even more without Derrick Henry. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I just look up and down this 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 standings. Anyone who gets the one of the three wild card spots, I just I just look at it and say, yeah, they can they can go into Tennessee and, and, and win, no yeah. no doubt. But you know, they they're gonna play, play out the string and we'll see what happens. But they're the the Titans are seven two right now. They they uh is it uh, two and a half, three games up on the, the Colts. They can hold serve for the rest of the season and win the division. But I just, I just, this offense, it'd be like, I'll, I'll, I think I'll equate it right here, Chris, and then I'll, I'll leave it on this note. What happens if the Ravens lose Lamar Jackson? Yeah. Yep. All right. Speaking of the Rams team that those Titans beat Sunday night, they made a rather large acquisition around the trade deadline. They acquired uh, multiple-time Broncos uh, Pro Bowl linebacker, former Super Bowl champion, Von Miller, for two late-round 2022 draft picks. Uh, He has not – I don't believe he's played this year, or not in a few weeks at least. I think he played earlier in the season. He's had a a foot injury. Uh, But, I mean, while not in his prime, with the talent around him on defense – he doesn't have to be Von Miller in his prime to still be effective. With Aaron Donald on that line, with Jalen Ramsey in the backfield, or backfield, <laughs> secondary, um, this guy can be 60 to 70% of what Von Miller was and still be a force. And for two late-round draft picks on a defense that was already very good, if not great, this is a huge get. It's it's scary for a team like uh, the Cardinals who are trying to put their stamp in this division and, and really trying to put a stranglehold on it. You know, you you got the bottom half of the division just seem like they're just going to be the seller of the division and, 
and the Seahawks and the Niners, I don't think they're going to be able to crawl out and, and catch up either one of these teams. But the Rams are, are kind of, you know, tit for tat with the Cardinals. You know, they're just one game back. And, and I think this is a kind of move going toe-to-toe with the Cardinals. I think I want to say they face each other already, but I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Um, I just think this puts them in a position uh, with a f- when Kyler Murray's fully healthy because I know he didn't. I don't think he played last week. Um, no, he didn't. Yeah, they are, yeah, they are, <laughs> he they did already, not. <laughs> they already faced the Cardinals once, and the uh, the the Rams got wiped off the floor. Um, so their next meeting, um, this could be pivotal because <laughs> could be pitiful or pivotal. It could be both, but I think this could be pivotal for for the, the as a week fourteen matchup. It could mean the division at that point. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because um, if the Cardinals pull it off, that's that's two up on the, on the Rams, and and now you're asking not only to to have the same record, but now you have to bet, have a better one, or you're going in with as a wild card. And I'm telling you what, this is a great move though by the Rams. Uh, you know, we will never have another draft pick ever again. Right, absolutely. But they, do they need them? I don't know. Not the way they're going, it seems to be working for them. So, uh, you, you, you can't have enough assets on defense. I think that oh, I agree. Yeah. You could you could create too much on on offense. You know, it, it didn't seem it didn't turn out that way, but it seemed like the Bucks put too much uh, receiving threat to where. Is there going to be enough balls to go around on the defensive side? I don't think that that, that can ever be a problem. Like you, you, you just you can add more talent continuously and have a nice rotation and really create an attacking defense that just takes opportunities, whether it's sacking the quarterback, strip sacking, and Von Miller is one of the best strip sacking pass rushers. I've ever seen. Because, Speaking of Cam Newton. Because <laughs> he, he tends to go just for the ball, which is actually smart because it kind of prevents you from getting a lot of the roughing the passer penalties. Yep. Because you still get the sack, and now you strip the ball, and now it's in play. And I think he's just created this this ability that a lot of younger players are starting to kind of try to pick up on. And that's the other scary part is he could kind of instill that knowledge onto other Rams players. And with the back end, you know, with, with Jalen Ramsey, that's look, it, it could be a long rest of the season for that division. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I just, I like what Stafford, uh, I like what Stafford's doing there. That offense for the most part is clicking. This could be a scary team. It really oh. could. Hundred um, percent. I think the only concern is some key players have had injury issues. Um, I I said this when I when I, when I said my 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 uh, my grief for releasing Cooper Cup before the season started. And now he's the number one receiver in in, in football. Uh, my my reasoning was sound. Right. Cooper Cup said it has been inconsistent because of quarterback play over the last couple of seasons and has an ACL tear in his history. And Matthew Stafford missed major parts of the two of the last three seasons with broken bones in his back. 
So I'm thinking, eh, we're going to get some good games, some inconsistent games, and I still think Stafford was moving a little ginger the other day. You know, it could just be wear and tear, but, I mean, I, I wouldn't wish bad on him. I, I, I like Stafford. I think he's been underrated most of his career, and he's really showing what he can do with a competent team around him. Imagine that, Detroit. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't wish anything bad on him, but oof, it's still a long way to go in a very hard-hitting division, and he's got to make it to the playoffs before he can be a threat. All right, uh, this is an unfortunate. Um, former Raiders second-year receiver and, and a guy who looked like he had a very bright future and career ahead of him on the field, uh, Henry Ruggs was arrested last week uh, and charged with uh, driving under the influence, resulting in a death. Uh, Ruggs was allegedly driving 156 miles an hour and struck another vehicle, and the passenger in, or the driver of passenger in that vehicle died. Um, had a blood alcohol level of two times the legal limit, and when the Raiders found out all of this, uh, they promptly released him, uh, which is, I believe, the right call. Uh, you can't have something like that and reward somebody with that kind of behavior by saying, here's a job in the NFL. Cool. Uh, looking at you, Houston. Um, although, while Deshaun Watson might be an asshole, um, it is still allegations and he did not kill anybody. So I do retract that a little bit because it wasn't nearly the severity. Um, but this is, if you're a Raiders organization, you've had a rough couple of weeks. Uh, John Gruden, all that comes out about John Gruden, he's gone. You're, you're, what you think is going to be your future receiver, uh, a number one receiver in Henry Ruggs, all of a sudden does this. And I'm not trying to minimize, look, I'm talking from a sports perspective, obviously a person lost their life, and that is the big issue. Yeah. A person lost their life through no fault of their own because somebody else couldn't make a good decision. That's... That's the big tragedy here. It's not John Gruden losing the job. It's not Henry Ruggs getting released. The tragedy is an innocent person died because Henry Ruggs made a bad decision, and he deserves to be punished for that. Uh, there's no excuse for this. You make – you and I go out somewhere, and we have a couple of drinks. We don't get behind the wheel. We take an Uber home. Henry Ruggs makes 100 times more a year than either one of us do. He could have gotten an Uber. He could have – he could have – hitchhiked from a fan and got on a ride somewhere. No excuse, and he gets everything. He deserves everything coming to him. There's a great line by uh, Herm Edwards. It's, uh, I believe it's, you can look it up on YouTube. It's a rookie symposium. It's probably about, I want to say 10, 10 years old. 10, 10, 12 years old. He wasn't, he's not, he wasn't coaching at the time. Um, he's out, he's, you know, uh, head coach for Arizona State uh, college team said nothing. I believe uh, I'm, I'm quoting this correctly. Um, nothing good happens after 12. Um, I'm pretty sure it's 12. It could be two, but I'm pretty sure he said 12. And and I get uh, youth in you. You want to do stuff exciting, um, but you have to realize that. You need to be responsible when you drive, when you do anything. And and I think this is, 
a case study for um, anyone who goes into the league, goes into a new job, high paying jobs. Like, look at this. This is a mistake that can be made. Now, Henry Ruggs can come back from this. I don't know if he can come back to the NFL, but he can come back from this. He can kind of find a, a new meaning in life to kind of redeem himself for this horrible mistake. But this is something a lot of rookies can look at when they come in and say, I understand I'm going to get a lot of money and I understand I can do whatever I want. I can make, I can make whatever purchases I want. He got, he had an expensive sports car that he wanted to drive fast. Um, There's, there was actually a video on, I think it was his girlfriend's Instagram that has been deleted. I don't know if it was deleted after the accident or before uh, from last year of him driving fast. Um, and I, I just think this unfortunately was going to happen at some point. If, if that's the case, it's not his first time doing it. Um, yeah. Driving fast, I should say. I don't know if this is his first time driving under the influence, but let's be real. Probably not. Probably not. He's a speed guy, and clearly he likes speed. You know, and I think of of somebody else who likes speed. um, And I I mean, speed like going fast. Yeah. um, uh, Paul Walker. And unfortunately, the tragic end in his life. going fast and driving a fast car and unfortunately ended a, a what was could have been a great uh, acting career. I think I, I just don't like seeing this from a, a talented uh, football player that I thought I had high, I had high hopes for. Yeah, no, I thought here. he could have been a, a pivotal part of their offense and it just as soon as I saw this I'm like wow this this guy is just he's done yep. he's done and I have no words to say about this and I can't say what I you know what I would do and if I was in this position getting all this money at 22 years old and getting the attention I'm getting I don't know if I would be in this position but I'll, I'll say it from the position I'm in right now it's like it's a mistake. It's something players, it's something the the league, it's not, they're not responsible for all the players. In the end, the players are responsible for their own actions. Sure. But the league and each organization does need to kind of extend themselves out and say, okay, we understand you're adults, but we need you to sit down and, and go through this and, and go through all different interactions that you can have, different mistakes you could possibly make. And, and I think that's why I, I link it back to Herm Edwards and his comment. Nothing mm-hmm. good happens after 12, whether it be drunk driving, getting fights, um, I remember Pacquiao Jones had a uh, Adam Pacquiao Jones had a incident, and I think that was after twelve uh, at a 
a club, I think it was. I, I don't want to specify because I don't exactly remember, but I know he had a lot of issues going through his career. Who is the uh, guy? Uh, the Broncos, uh, the Broncos cornerback back in, I think it was 07 on New Year's Eve. Was out of the club on New Year's Eve, got shot and killed because he started some, you know, somebody started a fight with him because he was just, I, I forget the guy's name now. It, it, it I moves me, but. Um, and, and, yeah. and, and we can link this to an incident that happened, uh, I think it was today or yesterday. Uh, today, I think it was, when coincidentally, the other first round pick for the Las Vegas Raiders uh, last year, uh, Damon Arnett was released by the team as well because he posted a video threatening to kill somebody. He didn't name the person, but he had a gun, actually had multiple guns, and he threatened to kill somebody, and they don't want to portray that image. And this is another case study of, you know, you have the right to do what you want. That's your Instagram feed. That's your Twitter feed. Whatever social media, you can put out whatever you want understand if you're part of an organization you're going to get pushback if you put out stuff like that making threats on people or in, in the hungry and Ruggers case going fast under the influence and and causing the unfortunate death of somebody else and this is this i, I know they still do the rookie symposiums or they really need to yeah try to crank it up a little yeah. bit more um, try to help these kids are, are given opportunities because you have to realize that this is an opportunity for them to make life changing generational money if they are, are financially sound to extend that out to the next generation they need help to get there and that's where the league can help them to make these smart decisions because I don't know about you, there's a lot of players. All you hear about is is going bankrupt, doing this. I mean, how many how many players have you seen? There was a, a story out month month and a half ago, sixteen players, former players, getting arrested because they were um, submitting fraudulent insurance claims to the NFL um, pension. And there was a couple ex Patriots on there that I'm like, wow. They must need money because it it didn't seem like a lot for them. For us, it'd be a lot, but it didn't seem like a lot for them. Yep. That tells me they're in a bad spot. And I think of Andre Risen, made mm-hmm. a lot of money. He he went bankrupt. Um, and Bernie Kosar, beloved in, in Cleveland, he went bankrupt too. And it's just a lot of Antoine Walker made a lot of money in his pro career. Unfortunately, he trusted a lot of people. And, you know, just to kind of circle this around, education for these young players coming in to kind of help them along. And it's sad to see a bright career end so early. Uh, Just, uh, yeah, it definitely is. Just to wrap up what I was talking about, uh, Darren Williams is the name of that young guy who was killed. The Broncos corner. Oh, okay. okay. Back in 2007, he was only 24. So, was out at a nightclub, got into a confrontation with some gang members, and was killed in a drive-by shooting a couple, about half an hour later. So, uh, yeah, nothing 
when you got that kind of money, then how many people, you know, coming after you? Nothing good happens that late. So, yeah, I agree. Get those rookie symposiums back up, crank it up, and protect these guys from themselves. I mean, veteran players can only do so much when you have young guys with that much money running around. Um, just, just for the good of their safety and the safety of those around them. <clears throat> All right. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. has been released by the Browns. I uh, believe, as, as Ben told me before we started recording, I wasn't aware of this, but he has cleared waivers. Yes, so, officially. Officially. So he can be signed by anybody now. Um, apparently, he <laughs> he stressed out Baker Mayfield. Which, on the surface, sounds really funny. Like, let's get Baker a safe space. But I kind of know what they're talking about. Like, you ever had that coworker where it's like, they might try really hard, and they always have all these ideas, but you know none of them are going to work. And they're constantly in your ear, and they won't leave you alone. And you start almost getting, like, a bad rap because they're always jawing and they're always talking. And it's just one of those people who, on a, on a scale from 1 to 10, is always at a 12. And it's just enough. Just quiet down. Have some quiet time. Less is more. And, you know, Odell is not one of them guys. And I can understand if Baker's a little bit more laid back and he's having a good game. And Odell's like, give me the ball. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. That's going to stress you out. Um, he only wants to play for a contender. Well, congratulations, Odell. Who doesn't? Um, no one, obviously the second question I had in here, I, I didn't realize he cleared waivers, so no one's going to claim him because he's already cleared waivers. Uh, but my, my question is, can, can we stop pretending this guy is like a be all end all elite receiver, please? Can we stop? I, I, I mean, he hasn't done anything since his one handed catch. Let's, let's be honest. He hasn't done anything. And this uh, my my issue with Odell and it's not with Odell cuz i'm not sure <clears throat> what 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 prompted it but if you didn't know his dad put out a video showing baker i guess purposely not targeting odell <sighs> i get it's his dad but really, like, I find that hard to believe because the, the, the one thing that we talk about with the Browns, what drives this team to success? And I'll, I'll agree with Odell's dad that, uh, that, that Baker is not elite. No. There is no debate about that. He is not elite. He probably – and we talked about it, what was it, last year? He has hung up receivers consistently. Excuse me, David Njoku, who got cleaned out and missed a good portion of the season last year. So don't think I'm a Baker Mayfield uh, uh, water carrier. But what stirs this this offense, Chris? Um, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and – that offensive line, the running game, that's without a doubt. It's not even right. debatable. Look at the stats. It's unquestioned. That's that's what it is. Like, I think my problem with Odell is that he he just wants to make the flashy catches. Like, 
not every catch has to be a touchdown. Not every catch has to be a one-handed grab where you're diving out of the side out of the sideline. Can it happen? Absolutely. And when it happens, it's spectacular. But make the routine, you know, five yard slant hit, you know, you get six yards. Okay. Run it again the next play. Do a a slant and go. If it doesn't go, it doesn't go. Uh, in cut, out cut, whatever. You don't have to make every every pass play a sixty yard touchdown. Just like if you're if you're Nick Chubb, I don't think he like he has a mindset he wants to score every time, but he's not going to try to turn every single run into a touchdown. He's going to get the most he can get out of it, and that's and then he runs it back to the next play and sees what he can get there. Same with Derrick Henry. Same with any elite running back. They know they're not going to get a 60-yard run for a touchdown every single play. And I think that's Odell's problem. Is He lived on that one-handed catch, which was spectacular, and he thinks he wants to reproduce it every single time. And that's a problem. All right, I'm going to run through some few uh, a few stats with you here, and then we're going to play a little game, and then we're going to get on to uh... – our last segment before Banker Tank. Okay, so 2014, Odell had 91 catches for 1,305 yards and 12 touchdowns. Outstanding season. That's his rookie year, 2014. I believe that's the year of the catch. Burst on the scene. Qualifier. Awesome. Following year, 96 catches, 1,450 yards, 13 touchdowns. Better in every category. Except yards per game, but... You know, still, respectable. 2016, 101 catches, 1,367 yards, 10 touchdowns. Get a contract extension. Only played four games, only started two. 25 catches, 302 yards, three touchdowns. Was injured, obviously, not something he wants to have happen. Things happen. Uh, 2018, 77 catches for 1,052 yards, six touchdowns. Respectable. Not elite. 2019, 74, 1,035, and 4. Respectable. Again, worse than the season before. Not elite. 2020, 23 for 3, 19 and 3. And then this year, 17 catches for 232 yards. No touchdowns. Um, this guy's problem has been injuries, attitude. Like you said, he's been playing off that one catch his rookie year for the entirety of his career. And... Everyone has allowed him to do that. He had three extraordinary seasons when his career started, and after that he has been very good at best and not reliable in any fashion. So I'm going to play a little game here. I'm going to run down some top receivers in the game to kind of prove to people who are sitting there going, oh, he's definitely elite. I remember that one catch, which, again, isn't necessarily fair because he had three extraordinary seasons and then has been nothing but average when he's on the field. I know the answer to the first couple of these. All things being equal. Mm-hmm. Devontae Adams, Odell Beckham. Devontae Adams. All things being equal. DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham. Uh, Hopkins. Tyreek Hill, Odell Hill. Beckham. Hill. Allen Robinson. All things being equal, Robinson. Julio. Oh, Julio, easy. A.J. Brown. Uh, Brown, easy. Stephon Diggs. Uh, Diggs. Adam Thielen. Feeling. Justin Jefferson. 
This one, all things being equal, uh, he he's done it a little bit longer. I'm gonna on this one. I'm gonna go Odell. Okay, Mike Evans. Mike Evans. Chris Godwin. Godwin. <laughs> DK Metcalf. I know your answer here. Oh, uh, DK, DK all the way, baby. Keenan Allen. Uh, Keenan, absolutely. Terry McLaurin. Uh, Terry's done a lot of enough, a lot of something with a whole lot of nothing. So I'm going to Terry. Okay. So, and there's a few I missed in there that have been injured over the last couple of years. Um, I did, in fairness, I did skip Amari Cooper because uh, it's kind of the same boat I think Odell's in, where it's, yeah, you're, you shine sometimes, but a lot of times it's nothing. Oh, where was uh, he the other game? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Calvin Ridley, who is exceptional, but is dealing with some things right now and is going to miss some time. So, in fairness, got to see a little bit more from him. And then Michael Thomas, who fully healthy, all things being equal, was one of the elite receivers in the game. I don't care if everybody says he just runs 100 slant routes a season. He's good at it, and when he's healthy, you can't stop him. So he's elite, or at least on the outer skirt of it. Um Keep in mind, this is a guy two years ago, everybody thought was the best receiver in the NFL. So let's right. remember that. Uh, Odell is ranked 18 here. Um, and 18 is not elite. When you have to when you have to get to the 11th person on the list before you can even go, oh, I don't know. You're not a top-tier elite-level player. doesn't mean you're not very good. doesn't mean you can't contribute. you got to know what you bring to the table, Odell. And if you want to end up on a contender and you don't want to get jettisoned off into the sunset after one game for a bad attitude. You gotta realize you gotta be more of a team player. Stop worrying about what you're doing off the field. Focus on the field. And I think the the, the one thing that was supposed to help him in Cleveland was the fact that Jarvis Landry was there because they were college um, teammates. And Jarvis isn't responsible for what Odell does. I a hundred percent think that's true. Odell is his his own person. He can he can do whatever he wants. Um I believe Jarvis tried to I don't have first hand knowledge, I don't have second hand knowledge, I have no information from the hard work that Jarvis puts in year in and year out to try to be top twenty, top fifteen receiver consistently a couple years maybe he was touching top 10 but he's consistent at least whether it's in Miami or Cleveland and I just think it just didn't work out the way the Cleveland Browns thought it would when they brought him in from New York to kind of pair him with Jarvis Landry Uh, what, what kind of put it to the end for me was him going to the college football uh, championship and then start making it rain in the LSU yeah, LSU locker room and, and causing a little bit of trouble and him getting suspended from LSU for, uh, I think it was a few years. Um, I don't know what he has left. And uh, we spoke about this before we started. The, the rumors of him going to New England are, are, are there. 
Now, how much they are there, I, I don't know. Uh, all I hear is, and especially this came from Randy Moss, um, what what Bill's done with malcontents. And I'm just thinking, like, I don't know if I want that. No. We, we, talked, we, we talked that before we started recording. Mac Jones is developing good chemistry with Kendrick Bourne. He's developing good chemistry with Nelson Aguilar. The tight ends are coming around. The running game's good. Team's got a good thing going. You bring in a guy like this who's going to say, I need the ball 10 times a game. That's not how it works. Sometimes sometimes Damian Harris is going to run for 100 yards and two touchdowns. Other times he's going to get eight carries for 25 yards, and it's going to be Demondre Stevenson. Sometimes Kendrick Bourne's going to get five for 120 and a touchdown. Other right. times he's going to get one look the entire game, and it's going to be Hunter Henry. It's, it's how the Patriots' offense works. Odell does not fit. Buyer beware. Yeah, I don't think he fits here. And and if he wants to go to contender, you know, you know Kansas City's there. Uh, Baltimore, it's an option. Um, Buffalo is a potential spot. I don't know if it's realistic. It's potential. San Diego seems like it might be a good option for him because they just don't have enough uh, in the receiving category. Uh, there was even talk that C- Seattle, um, especially if Russell comes back. I got to tell you, if I'm any of these teams, I just I look at I take a hard look at my offense. I look at a hard look at my leadership and say, if we bring him in, can our leadership get him on the same page? And two, is our leadership strong enough to say, guys, it's time to let him go because he's become more of a problem than a positive. Yeah. And that's what you got to do. And there's only a few teams that that can kind of look at that and say, yeah, we can, we can take him in and, and, and he can align with what we're trying to do. And there's even less teams that can say, yeah, we can take him in and we can, we as the players can say when we want to eject him. That's a tough pill to swallow. If you're a young quarterback, like Mac Jones, like Justin Herbert, even Lamar Jackson, who's trying to succeed at the level that someone like Patrick Mahomes has already. Could he be desperate enough to let some things go or an, uh, a means to an end to not only make a make a Super Bowl but win it. I I, I got to think if you're a team, you got to think long and hard. Even though it'll be a most likely a veterans minimum, and you can eject him very quickly if you need to. I I have a hard time thinking this is going to be a, a, a positive for most teams. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and I. He's gonna land somewhere, but it, it's it's not gonna be a Cinderella story. All right, I asked you this question a couple of times now towards the end of our, our episodes, and you know it's nothing really to dive into crazy here. It, it's just yeah. to prove how insane the NFL hierarchy has been this year. Uh, the Bills, who um, looked, I've said from the while now this season, are the best team in the league and our Super Bowl contenders, and we'll face the Cardinals in the Super Bowl, uh, are only half game in front of the Patriots now in the AFC East. 
and there's two games to play. Those teams play two times in three weeks late in the season. Uh, they were defeated by the lowly Jaguars, 9-6. to six. The Chiefs, juggernauts the last three, four years, barely survive an Aaron Rodgers-less, incompetent Packers team. Uh, well, Packers offense, the defense played very well, but uh, Mahomes continues to look absolutely mortal. Nothing special there right now. Uh, the Bengals, after being the number one seed in the AFC, uh, lose to the Jets and Mike White and then get slammed by the Browns. Uh, and uh, the Cowboys, who were looking like one of the class teams in the NFC, get absolutely dismantled uh, by the Broncos, 30-16. to And it wasn't even that close. It was 30 to nothing. Broncos let up because why get somebody hurt when you're going to win the game? And the Cowboys got two late touchdowns and two-point conversions. It was absolutely garbage time. It 30-16 to 16 is not indicative of how that game went. The Broncos absolutely destroyed them. Whoa, this season just continues to be the weirdest and most inconsistent I can remember in a long time. And and I think I think you have to look at it in two two different categories, Chris. I think the NFC is pretty pretty solid where it's at. Now I'm not saying it's concrete, but it's pretty solid where if we were to go to week 17, I think we're looking at a mirror image of, of what we're at right now. Um, it's the AFC that's just like I thought looking at the Patriots three weeks back, I'm like fight for a wild card spot, but I think the Bills are just they're just that much better and they're just gonna hold surf throughout the season. Maybe we'll split with them, maybe we won't. And now they're in a position to one game they could flip and be division leading, uh, the Patriots, that is. Uh, the North, Chris, the North is just – I mean, I'm still going to ride with the Bengals, but, you know, a couple weeks ago the Steelers were at the bottom. You know, the Browns, who knows, they could go on a, a bad run and, and be at the bottom. Even the Ravens could could lose a couple, and all of a sudden they're looking at looking up at two, three teams. Um, and then at AFC West, that's the same thing. It's just, you know you look at the Chargers and they're so consistent, and then the for some reason they go to they they they, they welcome in the New England Patriots and they get the doors blown off of them for no reason. They just Bill Belichick just had a plan to just pin down Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, and just make them look pedestrian. Yep. And and I just look at this and say, boy, week 17 is going to be interesting uh, in all these divisions. Even even the, the South could get real interesting because we talked about that earlier, where the Titans just could start rattling off losses and – Dare I say, could you see the Jaguars crawl up there and win a couple games? And uh, I mean, I, I understand. Hey, look, look. If if this past weekend was not a fluke, and the Jaguars have progressed that much to the point where they're able to continuously take offenses like the Bills and make them look average at best, then yeah, it's it's early enough. I mean, it's almost a halfway point of the season, but. 
if they go on a run and they win four or five, six in a row, they could find themselves in contention. I do not believe that will happen. I think they're right. a three to four win team tops. But look, <laughs> this <laughs> I've seen crazier things happen this year. And I guess you said the AFC North, you're going to ride with, with the Bengals. I'd have to go with the Ravens. I know they got beat down by those Bengals, but they've also been one of the few teams this year that proved they can come back from a, 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 a big deficit. Haven't seen Kansas City do it. Haven't seen many teams do it. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and then you get uh, teams like the Cardinals who were without Kyler Murray, without Larry Fitzgerald, without A.J. Green, without um, uh, Chase Edmonds, their leading rusher, and they just go out there and <laughs> beat a division rival without seemingly much of an issue. Um, and you get teams like the Titans who lose the NFL MVP frontrunner and go out there and make the team tied for the best record in the league look foolish. So you got a lot of teams that are getting the job done and a lot of teams that are kind of almost floundering in their newfound success when they get to a certain point, like they don't know what to do. Like the, the Bills are the best team in the league and then it's like, ooh, okay, maybe not. And then the Bengals are the best team. And, uh, okay, maybe not. Uh, it's the Browns, and then it's like, uh, but Baker Mayfield is not elite. Uh, I don't know about that. And now, it looks like they're not going to have Nick Chubb this weekend because he's out on the COVID list. Right. So, and a couple other players are going to be missing. Uh, Kareem Hunt's not back. So they are going to have Dearness Johnson, who was a great story from a few weeks ago. But you got Baker Mayfield without a lot of his primary, or, you know, the two guys that was going to be primary targets when the season started without his lead running backs or when he gets Bill Belichick and the team and the Patriots that's absolutely rolling right now. Uh, it's going to get a little hairy in that division. And I, and I just, it, it, it's just, I just like where, where the AFC is going. It's, it's going to be each and every week. It's going to be a storyline of, of who's jockeying for that four seed that five seed the one seed the two seed there's not a clear cut with derrick henry going down there's no clear cut number one not right now and i think i like it that way because there's just so many teams that can just kind of figure out if they got something going on but i don't have a problem with what what's going on in the afc either because i just you you know what you got there and they're elite talent, and they're elite teams. The Bucks are elite. It seems like the Cardinals and the Rams, they're elite. Um, the Packers with Aaron Rodgers seem elite. I, I like to have that upper echelon of teams, but I there's a flux going on in the AFC where the next few weeks – could decide which teams are going to be in and which teams are going to be out. Now it's kind of a vague statement, but I think it's kind of true. Some some teams could really see themselves thrust into a position where they didn't think they would be. And I know the the um, the Texans are are a one win team if they can recapture that magic that they had with that one game, I know it was one game beginning of the season with Tyrod Taylor. If they can recapture that and go on a heck of a run, 
with with Derrick Henry out, with inconsistent play from Carson Wentz, and the fact that Jacksonville, I, I honestly think Urban Meyer is gone before this end of the season. They could Not take if they keep winning. I will grant you that. If they keep winning, he won't go anywhere. But I still – I'll tell you this, Chris. There's a lot of appealing college positions opened up. And there may be a couple more that open up uh, before the season ends. Uh, but that's an, that's a another story for a different day. I just think there's an opportunity there. If Tyrod Taylor stays healthy, and I know that's a big ask. Uh, as long as he keeps doctors away from him, I think he'll be good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I think there's an opportunity there uh, for them to kind of make a stretch. And I, and I think that's what I like about the AFC. There's just so much parity that any given week we could see a team take two, three game run. And all of a sudden they shot up to the top of their division. All right. Before we get banker tank real quick, gun to your head. Who's the best team in the AFC right now? Uh, the Ravens. I would agree with that. NFC? They don't have the best record. <clears throat> but I'll take the Rams. I'm going to go Cardinals. I think they're the real deal. 8-1 and one proves it, and they beat some really, really stout competition. I would like to see that match in the NFC Championship game. Rams-Cardinals? Rams Cardinals. Uh, you get to see them again later on in the season. Maybe you will see it in the uh, conference championship as well. Everyone healthy, everyone on the field, yeah. all the cars on the table. Boy, that'd be that'd be one heck of a match. The final so, score would be ninety nine to ninety eight. Hey, why not? <laughs> It'd be fun. All right, now we can close that with Banker Tank. Week eight. Keep in mind, Ben and I were tied at uh, let's see, it was twenty five and seventeen. After I went six and zero in week seven, and he went one and five. However, week eight, I went one and five. Ben went three and three. Tammy went four and two. Week nine, however, I went five and one. Ben went three and three. Tammy went three and three. Also, so Ben and I are once again tied at thirty-one to twenty-three, with Tammy at twenty-two and twenty-six, who had a rough start, but she's had much better weeks lately. Um, so we're we're still. Neck and neck here going into week 10. So it's going to be a fun, fun, fun down the stretch. So you want to start? Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead. Bank is going to be Mac Jones, Austin Eckler, and Terry McLaurin. Hey, for me, Bank is going to be a, a very angry Dak Prescott, Aaron Jones, and Stefan Diggs. All right. Tank is going to be Kirk Cousins, James Conner. And DeAndre Hopkins. For me, Tank will be Ryan Tannehill, Christian McCaffrey, and Tyreek Hill. Okay. All right. Anything else? Are you good? I'm all set. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode 152. Again, we apologize for missing last week, but again, things happen. Uh, if you have any questions, sports-related questions, for Ben or myself on anything you heard on this episode, past episodes, or anything at all sports-related, we'd love to hear from you. And where can you get in touch with us? Well, you can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTSPod. Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports. The website, BCTSPod.com. Or on Instagram, Ben underscore Chris Talk Sports. All right. Nailed the first time. 
And if you have not done so yet and you feel so inclined, please go to wherever you download your favorite podcast, leave a rating and a review, and subscribe, and then tell a friend. Word of mouth is still the best and, quite honestly, most affordable way to help spread the word. So it would mean a lot to Ben and I, as does your support. But for this episode, for Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy. We will see you right back here next Wednesday. Thank you.